Hey, everybody, back uh, to our uh, normal opening uh, here at the Primary Care Podcast. We're at the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox. Hit us up. Uh, any questions, any concerns, any studies you want me to read or any jokes because I love the jokes. I, I, I'm so happy. I've been waiting to use this joke for a while. Um, we're going to do this. Anonymous listener says, Dr. List, here's the joke. Eventually, all countries are inevitably going to get coronavirus. China just got it right off the bat. hi All right, Bob, start the pod. The Primary Care Podcast is written and by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced in my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views and policies of my employer, past, or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, uh, everybody, pod, uh, girls and pod boys. Uh, we are uh, back with another topic today. Bob, with the music changeup, we're actually back at the office working uh, in the office, so I'm not in my bedroom closet. Uh, my schedule is changing with the coronavirus update, so I got a lot of time in between patients, so I thought I'd hammer out some podcasts while at the office back to the old podcast location. I thought we'd hit up some actual medical topics instead of coronavirus topics because we are primary care providers still at the end of the day. So let's do it. Again, we're going to try to get on with our lives a little bit and continue to practice uh, family medicine. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the the COVID update and the virtual visit update. Uh, This was another piece of news that kind of, I think, snuck in, uh, you know, during this whole time. And that is uh, there's now a black box warning on 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 Singular. Monolucast, uh, which is a really super commonly prescribed medication, and not only for asthma, but also for allergies. Uh, it's it's used by uh, millions of people around the globe. Uh, and yet now there's a, a black box warning uh, for neuropsychiatric events. Um, so we're going to talk about that today, what that means, uh, why, uh, what the data shows. Uh, should you be concerned? Does your practice, does your prescribing habits need to change? What do you need to look out for? Is there any monitoring, uh, testing, things like that? Warning for side effects of agitation, depression, sleeping problems, suicidal thoughts, and actions. Uh, but they feel that uh, this was added. So this warning, this initial warning came back in 2008. Uh, but now this new warning advises healthcare providers to, quote, avoid prescribing Montelukast for patients with mild symptoms, particularly those with allergic rhinitis, uh, as the, you know, uh, assuming that that means that the risks of these uh, episodes are um, outweigh the benefits of the drug. Now, uh, the, the key quote here from the FDA, and I want to make sure we, we have this statement out there before any other, so this is the, this is the data, the actual data. Uh, we recognize that millions of Americans suffer from asthma or allergies and rely on medication to treat these conditions, says Sally Seymour, MD, who directs the FDA Division of Pulmonary, Allergy, and Rheumatology Products. In a statement, she says, quote, the incidence of neuropsychiatric events associated with Montelukast is unknown. But some reports are serious, and many patients and healthcare professionals are not fully aware of these risks. Okay, so we're going to take a second to digest that. Uh, the uh, director of the FDA division on these products says that the incidence of these neuropsychiatric events is unknown. 
So uh, this is a case where uh, we need to dig a little bit deeper into some of these uh, trials data, see if there's anything, anything that's been pulled uh, in the past before. So, so here is what I can find on it. Uh, the British Pharmacolo Pharmacological Society. Wow, I really messed that up. I'm, I'm going to leave that in just to shame myself. The British Pharmacological Society Journal. Uh, in the, uh, this was from the Pharmacology Research and Perspectives Open Access. Um, uh, this is from Meinda, Meindina Harman, uh, Florence Hunsel, Tajalin Vieres, uh, Dutch, Dutch researchers, physicians and researchers, in September of 2017. Uh, Dr. De Vries is the MD-PhD who is the, the, the chief um, researcher on this. Um, they specifically um, aimed to observe the safety profile of Singular. So they looked at two different databases. One was specifically just in the Netherlands, uh, Pharmacovigilance Center Lareb. I don't know what that means. Um, and then the WHO global database, which is called Vigibase. Okay. So they looked through 2016. Uh, depression in the entire global population was the most common reported uh, frequently symptom associated with Singular. The reporting odds ratio was 6.93. So compared to what we'd expect in normal population, patients that took this reported this more frequently. Aggression was the most in children. And this reporting odds ratio was actually 29.7, which is a really, really high ratio of uh, aggression reports compared to the general population. Uh, headaches were very frequent as well, 2.26. That was the most frequent in just the limited Dutch database. Uh, nightmares uh, were more common for both children and adults. Uh, so what does this what does this really mean? Well, it means that um, when we talk about side effects and symptoms, we talk about the fact that um, this affects all ages, right? Not only children were affected at thirty percent of the cases uh, that were reported in these databases uh, were were kids. Um, and then 60 64%-ish were um, in, in adults, some were unknown. Um, when they looked, there were, 45, quote, serious cases reported in these databases, including two deaths, one from a pulmonary embolism, doubtful to relation to monolucast, and one involving renal failure with possible relation to the drug. Hospitalization in 26 cases, uh, which I think were interesting. None of the hospitalized patients were dead. Um, in, so in these, in these two databases, there were combined, the Dutch database was very small, only 331. The Vigi database, which is the WHO worldwide, was 17,723 reports okay, of adverse drug reactions. Okay, Now, again, uh, depression, suicidal ideation, aggression, abnormal behaviors, nightmares, uh, high, higher, higher rates. When we talk about what this means, though, we're talking about in VigiBase, this WHO worldwide database, 17,723 reports of adverse drug effects. That's an incredibly small number compared to the number of patients that take Singular. And the FDA's comment about we don't know the rates, the rates are unknown, the side effects, the, the percentages of patients that have these with severe outcomes, they're unknown. Okay. So they have been definitely, uh, I, you know, the drug labels, if you go on Hippocrates, if you go on UpToDate, uh, you know, these neuropsychiatric events have been reported. They are listed as side effects. The black box warning is just to make sure that everyone knows about them. But I think the take-home point is that these are very, very rare. 
you know, we, we you know, we, this worldwide database, 17,000 reports. Um, sure, there's probably lots of unreported other cases uh, that just don't get reported, uh, but we don't know that it's, you know, a super duper high, for example, double digit percentage of patients to take these things. In fact, it's probably not. It's probably a lot smaller than that. When we look at when we look at what this drug benefits for patients, I, again, I think this is a, a conversation then about we have singular, we now have a black box for neuropsychiatric events. Patients are going to know that when you prescribe that. So it is something you are going to have to talk to the patient uh, about them with them. But I don't think that this uh, I don't think that this excludes this drug. I agree that maybe for mild cases where maybe it'd be something that we could try for mild asthmatic symptoms or for just allergic rhinitis, sure, I think that this makes it less likely to try as like a, hey, we'll just try this and see if it makes uh, if it if it helps the patient because a monolucast right now is is a very inexpensive and as an American uh, having an inexpensive drug anywhere that's useful, I think is uh, I think is a good tool, and so I think that this will cause me to reassess how frequently I, I pull it out of the toolbox to use. But I'm definitely not going to stop using monolucas just because of this black box warning. Um, I think I, I think the black box is appropriate and the increased news attention is appropriate. So we have better conversations with patients. Uh, I've, I've heard lots of anecdotal reports, just talking to colleagues, talking to uh, uh, prescribers uh, who have, you know, after this news came out in the last month, that there's a black box warning for neuropsychiatric events and everyone kind of goes back and looks at your own, you know, N of one or N of twos and say, oh, you know what? I did have one patient who was depressed and he had suicidal ideation hers, or his his depression symptoms got worse after he took this. And I think, I think again, anecdotal evidence is just anecdotal. But in this case, uh, this is kind of what this is, is there's enough anecdotal reports and that even though we don't know that the, the actual rates of the percentage of people who take this and what percentages are getting it, the, these population databases and these reporting um, relative uh, reports in these databases are high enough that I would 100% uh, believe that these are absolutely real real events and, and real things that we need to educate about. I definitely think that they are small enough that um, – I think that we can still prescribe this and still use this, but maybe just in patients with resistant disease or in patients that might not um, uh, might not be able to afford some other uh, asthma medicines. And you international listeners, uh, which there are a lot of you, are probably chuckling to yourselves about terrible American healthcare systems. And I agree with you. Uh, you know, some of our asthma inhalers, our controllers, are absolutely ridiculous—hundreds of dollars per month, several hundreds of dollars per month. Uh, versus monolucast is less than $10 per month. So again, I think there's still a place for this tool in the toolbox. I think that these this, that these events are absolutely real, and I think that it needs a close conversation, a shared patient decision-making uh, for patients, and uh, maybe, maybe less use in mild cases. When we talk about, uh, just so everyone is clear on all of the black box warnings or all the potentials, they call it, they say for neuropsychiatric events like depression, agitation, uh, aggressive behavior, hostility, uh, nightmares, but also it can make anxiety worse. It can cause disorientation, uh, disturbance in attention issues. So if you're making ADHD patients worse or patients know that their memory is not as sharp when they're on this, it is definitely related to singular. Uh, like I said, uh, nightmares, hallucinations insomnia, irritability, memory impairment, restlessness, um, suicidal thinking and behavior, including suicide, um, tics and tremors. Now, again, I think 
A lot of these are incredibly, incredibly rare. It should not prevent you from prescribing the medicine, but it should absolutely cause you to educate the patient more and have more conversations about it. And you know what? That's that's really all I have to say on the topic. Uh, there's not enough data to say that these are double-digit percents or anything worrisome, but it's definitely concerning enough, and it's real enough that we should take it. Maybe we should take it seriously. And again, all drugs have side effects. Um, it's just a matter of what they are and if the benefit is better than the cost. Uh, the cost meaning the side effects plus the actual prescription cost. So uh, I hope everyone takes a, take this away that the black box change does not mean don't use but probably better educate and then just be aware that these things could happen. If they do, it's probably real. So uh, this is Dr. Mark List signing off today saying you don't have to stay up all night to stay up to date. Uh, Bob, take us out.